0: So this is the uh, fourth and final talk of the series. That uh, video you just saw was of Al Gray, which you uh, may be familiar with the name of the uh, beautiful Denise Gray, who started the series three weeks ago. What a fantastic couple they are. I love it. Uh, almost a round of applause for that one as well. Um, uh, Denise, wow. The, yep. Well done. Well done. <laughs> um, they started, uh, Denise started off the uh, series three weeks ago. With just an amazing talk. Um, um, I just love the way she talks about we can ask God for anything, that we can approach Him in any time, in any way, shape, or form. It was absolutely amazing. Then Chris, the bearded wonder, uh, stood up and did a, a great talk. <laughs> he did a great talk on uh, what is a, the most important prayer you'll ever pray. And then finally, Mark, who uh, just absolutely awesome last week, uh, talking about um, that all prayer is out of desire, longing for God. And so prayer is all devotion. And he is such a better man than I am, because he preached from Psalm 42 about the deer panting for water. And in no way like me, he didn't giggle at all at the word pants. I would have just carried on giggling. I'm not entirely sure I could have ever preached that, to be honest. He is a better man than I am. Um, but uh, So I'm going to finish this off anyway, this, uh, this series, and we love I, I mean, this is actually the third prayer series that we've done, actually, so it's kind of interesting and, uh, and really exciting. But, you know, even after three prayer series, I can still stand up here and say, you know, prayer is difficult. It really is difficult. Uh, Tim Keller always says, you know, 30 minutes of prayer is harder than 30 minutes of preaching. You see, his logic is that I can stand there, I can preach for 30 minutes, I can uh, go off, I can go off in tangents, I can do a whole load of things, but at no point will I forget that I'm preaching. Whereas five minutes into prayer, you realize you've actually been thinking about strictly for the last four minutes of it. (laughs) It's so simple to get lost in prayer. It's so easy to get lost in that place, and it is difficult. But prayer is supposed to be this life-giving, life-giving encounter with the living God. I mean, Jesus died on the cross so that we could be invited to come boldly to the throne of the gracious God, who promises that we do not need to be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, uh, present our requests to Him. Believe Him with expectation that everyone who asks received. Everyone. Who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. That's the promise of prayer. That's the promise of prayer. I mean it's a beautiful promise. We're to pray by invitation in any situation with great expectation. So why doesn't it always feel like that? You see, I, I think one of the reasons why it doesn't feel like that is that sometimes when we pray, we don't feel like we get anything from it. It feels kind of one way, right? It feels like a, a voicemail prayer. Yeah, how do you leave a voicemail? I don't know about you, but when I leave a voicemail, I leave it and it's quite short. It's a, it's a kind of a, a little bit of rambling and a whole lot of awkward. It's just the most awkward thing ever to leave a voicemail for me. You know, when I was a new Christian, I'd drive around the city with great expectation of what God can do, and I'd, I'd pray as prayerful as I possibly can, and I'd start off, and I'd drive, and about three minutes into prayer, I'd launch into the greatest prayer I could find, God, help, I don't know if you can hear, but, uh, and I have nothing to offer you, but Lord, would you bring revival to the city, please, so people would know how good you are, Amen. And then I'd be in an awkward silence as i try and think of other things to say. Then i remember I could pray in tongues, so I'd do that. And then there'd be an awkward silence, and then I'd put the CD on because there's some great worship in the car. Prayer was such a challenge. For me, it was like a voicemail prayer. It's a great effort. Don't get me wrong. There's absolutely brilliant effort in that. But my hope was that God would possibly respond one day to a message that he would answer the prayer rather than him being on the other end of the phone. For some people... If they're praying for healing, I mean, some of you are like this. You are bold, you're audacious, you're unstoppable in prayer. You know, imagine you were praying for someone sick. You'd absolutely launch into something like this. God, you're a mighty God who heals and delivers. You move mountains with a mustard seed of faith and change the hearts of nations. For your name's sake, Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, let your glory shine. Let your light be revealed. Let your name be praised. I come as your child, Lord God. I believe in your healing power and I declare your victory over the sickness. In your awesome name, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, it can sound articulate. It can be absolutely powerful. It can be brilliant. It could even last for hours. Some of you guys can pray for hours. I'm so impressed. But ultimately, once we finish, we hang up. You know, out of deference, we may also include that, if it's your will, oh God, Resigning ourselves to this kind of fatalism of it's going to come down to God's decision anyway. And then we wait. And we say something like, okay, God, I've done the best I can. I've done my part. I've prayed. And now it's, it's totally up to you. If something changes, if I get that job, if that person is healed, if revival comes, then praise be to you. But if not, then I know all things happen for the good of those who love you. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Because it does that's what happens when I pray sometimes, when I feel like it. But that's hardly a conversation with the dynamic, loving God of relationships that we speak of and read of in the Bible. The same God of Isaiah tells us about when he says, how gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Or even this, and further on in Isaiah, he wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Or Jeremiah 33, which many of us know, call to me and I will answer. And I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. That's what prayer is supposed to be like. So what's happening? Are we doing it wrong? How are we supposed to pray? And that's what the disciples asked of Jesus. And this is the answer he gave them. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. I remember praying that at a wedding once, but I didn't give people a script. And it's funny how everyone has a different uh, variation of it and different translation of it. It's absolutely brilliant. But you know, a common mistake we make with this prayer is that we read Jesus' words as this. This is what you should pray. When actually he says, this is how you should pray. You see, we're not meant to read it line by line. This is about how we approach prayer. You see, the second half of the prayer is about our dependence on God. It's about us asking for what we need today because we absolutely spent ourselves yesterday. It's about remembering that we are sinners saved, so how could we possibly look down on someone who has sinned against us? And it's about growing in maturity so that we would learn to avoid temptation amongst other things. But before we ask of God, there are two positions that we need to adopt. And Jesus teaches us what these are. These are the first of all, that we look to the Father. And second, that we listen to our Father. You see, in prayer, we don't address God as our Lord, our teacher, our boss. or our, We address Him as our Father. This is more than just a title. This is about knowing that we have a relationship with God based on grace. Not on performance. What does this mean? You see, you can have an absolutely amazing relationship with your boss. You might have a great relationship where you spend lots of time, you really connect, you really know each other. Your boss may be a really good friend in many ways, but in the end, the quality of your relationship with your boss is going to come down to your performance. Are you doing what you're called to do? Are you sticking with your job description? Are you performing well? And if you fail to perform or do what you're hired to do, in the end, eventually your boss is going to have to say, I'm really sorry, but as much as I like you, you're not doing the job you were hired to do. They may be sad, you may be sad, but your relationship is still based on the level of your performance. But a father and his relationship with his children is so different. See, a father is every bit as concerned as a boss about performance, if not more so. He wants his children to do well in every area of life. He wants them to perform well. He's very concerned about how they behave because he has that whole future in mind. The difference is that if a child blows it, if a child fails, if they, fails, if they really go off the rails, a, father, a good father doesn't say, well, okay, do you know what? That's enough. You're not being the child I wanted you to be and I hoped you would be, so I'm gonna move on to the next one now. Well, you'd hope he doesn't anyway. Now, a good father says this. It's okay. Dad's here. We'll figure this out. That's a father. They stay unconditionally committed to the failing child, seeing their love and their potential no matter what. I mean, dad's in this room. You know, no matter how powerful you are, no matter how wealthy you are, no matter how dangerous you might be. If your child calls for you, your young child, this is, at 3 a.m. in the morning says, Dad, I'm thirsty. Give me a glass of water. You know you'll get up and do it. Some of you won't. (laughs) Some of you have better sense than I have. (laughs) You see, that's the kind of loving, heavenly Father that we pray to, not based on performance, but on grace. That's the first bit. The first position we adopt is that we are looking to the Father. The second thing is that we are listening to the Father. Once again, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, it's not what we pray, it's how we pray. Before we petition for what we want or what we need, we are invited to ask, what is God's heavenly plan in this moment? What do you want to do, God? What is it you want to do right now? What is your will? See, this is the difference between a voicemail prayer and what we call listening prayer. Let me give you an example. A few years ago in, in India, I was um, uh, offered this guy and he uh, basically had withered legs. And uh, he was asking through the translator that I would pray for him that his legs would be healed and that he would be able to get back to work and then support his family, because without being able to support his family, uh, they wouldn't be able to rely on him and he'd just be in this terrible place. And as with all of you guys, you know, I launched into that with this great sense of faith. Or not. I stood there and I looked at this guy, I thought, I have no faith that your legs are gonna be healed. What am I gonna do? And so we pray this prayer that we um, have written at home. Uh, What the heck, dude? We have no idea what to pray. And I looked at this guy and I said, God, you've got to help me with this because I really have no idea what to do. And as I looked at him and as I looked at his wife and child, I, um, I, I asked God and, and God showed me something. He showed me that this man sitting on the floor was a man who was crushed, not by the fact that he couldn't work, but by the fact that he thought he was failing his family and they possibly wouldn't love him and wouldn't care for him if he continued to fail. And at the same time, you know, I was looking at his wife and his child and they were crying out. They literally had tears in their eyes as they were looking to their husband and their father sitting on the floor saying, I wish you knew that we loved you and accepted you regardless of what happens. And his mind was elsewhere and their relationship was broken. And I sat in that moment, I thought I have no faith to pray for his legs, but I have faith to pray for the family. So I spent a time just ministering to them as a family. Showing them, trying to convince them, trying to unveil that there's great love in this family, no matter how he is at this moment, that his wife and his child love him. And as you know, looking at this man and looking at his wife, trying to get them to connect in a really powerful way. And you know, after some time, we finally broke through that. And you should have seen the tension, the stress just be, just drop from his face, drop from his presence. I don't know, maybe the next person who came along and prayed for him saw a total healing. But you know, if I prayed in that moment that he would be healed, my guess is that nothing would have happened, and that he would have left completely disillusioned in God, and I would have left completely failed. But in that moment, I was able to listen to God and use that opportunity to bring life and faith into a situation. I'll give you another example. Um, there was a girl called Charlotte Barnes who used to come to this church many years ago, and she... Um, and she had this significant brain tumour. I, I wasn't here this time, this is a story that I've, uh, I've heard many times. And, uh, and this young girl had a, a significant brain tumour, almost like actually physically out of the head. And, uh, and there's an intercessory group that got together and they didn't know how to pray or what to pray. And they tried to pray for the whole healing. and nothing happened. And they really didn't understand. So they just turned around one day and said, God, just tell us what you want us to do. And God said, I'll give you the faith to pray. But first of all, just start by thanksgiving. And so they did that, they just like, thank you that the grass is green, that it's sunny, and they started very simply. And then they had the faith to pray that the headaches would go. And so they prayed for the headaches to go and the headaches stopped. And then they prayed for the next stage, which was, okay, well, we can't pray, we don't have faith to stop this tumor, but maybe we could pray that it would stop growing. And so they prayed into that and it stopped growing. And then they prayed that, actually, yeah, okay, we have faith now, that it would heal and that it would go down and shrink. And do you know what? It shrunk. Yeah. And the girl was 100% completely and utterly healed. Wow. You. you see, if they jumped in, they just tried to proclaim that prayer, if they tried to just stay in that place of healing, they would just so struggled. But God was trying to talk to them, saying one step at a time, listen to me, what is my will? Let me walk you through this. You see, our God is not silent. As Isaiah 30 uh, verse 19 says, how gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. God has always something to say if we're willing to listen. In fact, there is much he wants to share with us. Jesus has said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. You see, right now in this room, there are radio waves bouncing off every single one of us. And we are completely oblivious to that. But you need a radio to listen to them, to pick them up, to hear them. And you see, that's what the Holy Spirit does. He, is like, he picks up radio frequencies from heaven. And if we're willing to spend time tuning in, we get to hear what is going on in that place. You see, when we do, he will guide us in truth. For what is truth? It's not more facts about God. It's not a report, it's not details, this and the other. This is the amazing bit. It says, what does the Holy Spirit hear? You see, as the third member of the Trinity, he hears the Father and the Son having a conversation. He speaks what he hears the Father and the Son talking about. You see, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to eavesdrop unto heaven, to hear what the Father and Son are saying about us, I mean, what do you think they're saying about you at this very moment? I mean, they see everything. What do you think they see? Many of us have come to expect criticism, corrective thoughts, improvements that we can make, etc. But we have an ability, an impressive ability, to remember all the criticisms, but none of the compliments that we hear. But the words over us that the father and the son are saying, are like those of parents recalling absolute delightful moments that they see in their kids. You see, when Tara and I go out for dates, when we go for a meal, um, you know, it is amazing. We, We spent so long trying to go, look, let's just talk about us, not talk about the kids. But we just gave up on trying to fight that. And now we just spend easily up to an hour just talking about kids. And it's delightful, it really is joyful. And we sit there and we say, Did you see Maya dancing the other day? It was so adorable, so cute. I love the way she worships. Did you see Arya? Did you see what she was wearing? Oh my gosh, like such boldness. And did you see Bella? Oh wow. You know, I sat there with her parents' evening there. So, they were so impressed with her homework. I'm so proud of our girls. That's what, the father, that's what the conversation sounds like in heaven between the father and the son. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I love watching you. You see, there are also things we're concerned about, their behavior, their friendships, their attitudes, some of the challenges they're facing, but we don't talk about how they're failing. We talk about their potential, and we talk about how we can help, what we can do to get involved in that situation to help them grow and reach all that they're called to be. That's what eavesdropping on heaven sounds like. That's the conversation the Holy Spirit reveals to us, and that's what God says, that this is my child. I'm so proud of you. I delight in you. Trust me, follow me. Yeah, God has so much to say. He thinks of us all the time. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand, it says in Psalm 139. You're still not sure, well, I mean, look at the Bible. When you read the Bible, do you see a book that's about a God who's withdrawn from his people and silent or about a God who speaks? Is it a book about people who couldn't hear or a book about people who wouldn't listen? That was the other day when we were um, doing bath time with the girls and they were drawing all over these bath crayons and just making an absolute mess. And I kept them saying, girls, stop, stop, you're making a mess, you're making a mess, girls, stop. They weren't listening at all. So I said, girls, girls, can you not hear me? And one of them turned around and said, yeah, daddy, of course we can hear you, which is not listening. (laughs) We can all hear, but we don't always choose to listen. You see, listening requires a response. Do you know, I'm gonna give you 10 ways that I really do believe that you hear from God, maybe not all of these, but at least some of these. 10 ways that I think you hear from God. It's just whether you listen at the same time, okay? Are you ready for this? Okay, number one, an invitation. If you're in this room, it's because you've been invited. Because God has called you, he's beckoned you, he wants you to be with him. If you've responded to that invitation, you've listened to it you see one day I was taken to Aria to nursery and uh, I did this thing I pick her up I give her a thousand kisses I call it It doesn't actually thousand kisses and then I put her down and say have a wonderful day super duper whooper day actually and um, and I just say God bless you and she goes and I love it it's my way of saying goodbye but one morning this young girl came up to me this young girl who's uh, got a single mother no father around and she came up to me and she said "Uh, Richard would you do the same to me? And literally my heart broke and I curled up in a fetus and cried myself. I didn't know how to address that. But you know what? God is loving his children. He loves his children. When someone comes up to him and says, will you do that to me? He says, absolutely. And he picks that child up and he embraces and loves and kisses them. Maybe there's someone in this room right now that you haven't answered that invitation. And you're wondering if God would do the same thing to you. Well, I want to say yes, he would. So, the invitation is the first one. The second one is through others. You know, whether you're listening to a sermon, whether something sparks to you in a Connect group, or when you receive in prayer on a Sunday morning or anywhere else, it's like that person is reading your mail, which is actually against GDPR rules, just so you know. I knew that would get some of you. Okay, so one alpha a while ago, uh, I remember someone speaking, and someone came up to him pretty heated afterwards and said, How dare you! And the person speaking was like, what? And he goes, how dare you? Why would my friend tell you all about me? That was unfair. That was private, confidential stuff. How dare they talk to you about my stuff? And how dare you talk about it? And the speaker had to spend like 10 minutes explaining. They had no idea who their friend was. They had no idea what they were talking about. It must be God speaking. You see, sometimes you think that you're the only person in the room and this entire talk is in focus at you. That's God speaking to you. That's the second one, the um, others speaking. Thirdly, worship. If you were here last night, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So many people come on a Sunday morning and you just can't help it. You just burst into tears. I was out in refreshments one day and uh, someone came out and they had tears all over their face and they were kind of still puffy. And I, I asked them if they were okay and they said, yeah, I was just crying during worship. And I asked them why. And they said, I don't know. I just don't know. I said, well, how did it feel? I said, it felt like love was washing over me. That's another way that God speaks. Do you listen that he loves you? Or do you just take it as a random experience? Are you hearing those words, I love you? Fourthly, impressions. Could it be a word or a sense that someone has? I love this. Carol Jacobs, who um, heads up a lot of intercessory prayer for things. She said this amazing thing. She said, God puts a question in my mind And then I ask him that very question and he answers me. Some of you get words, some of you get pictures, some of you respond to questions, it's an impression. A burden for others is number five. Someone comes to mind and you just feel like you should see how they're doing. You may be just thinking randomly about that person, but maybe, maybe there's something going on. I always love the story of a friend called Pete who, um, who just had someone pop into mind. He had a few days off work, so he texts them. He said, why don't you come over? And the person was like, oh, actually, I've got nothing on. I'll come and join you. And they didn't really have intense conversations. They just played music together, they watched movies together, hung out together, had lunch together. A few days later the person said, okay, I've got to get back to work and everything now. And he wrote uh, Pete a letter, he left. Pete didn't know this until uh, the person left. He went in to tidy up the room and found this letter, and this letter basically almost tear-stained, as the person was writing, saying, thank you so much for inviting me. You probably don't know this, but I was really contemplating killing myself. And your text came at a time where it gave me no other choice but to come to you. Thank you so much for reaching out. I wonder how many people in this room have just texted someone, you just thought it was a random text, but you don't know how much of an impact it had on someone's life. Uh, Promptins is number six. Um, someone uh, came up to Tara utterly randomly last year. We had Christmas Day we were preparing for, and, uh, and this lady, just wonderful lady in this church, she came up to Tara and said, look, this is really strange. Um, but look at the word ovens on my mind. <laughs> what do you do with that? You know, you got to feel random if you come up to someone, "Hey, I've got horses on my mind." Does that mean anything to you guys? <laughs> and so I was like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing because we have no ovens for Christmas Day." And so the person was like, "Brilliant. How much do you need?" They gave them money. We had ovens on Christmas Day and we were able to feed 260 people because of that random word that popped into someone's mind, ovens. Do you know this is probably a good time just to pause and just say, how do I know if it's God? Okay, these are great ways to hear from God, and maybe I'll choose to listen, but how do I know if this is God? Well the truth is we don't always know and sometimes we get it completely wrong. That's just the truth about it. But you know, God will still bless. You know, when I was in Chicago last year, I uh, was really impacted and God was talking to me about just feeding the poor and caring for those who are distant and really drawing close to people. So I jumped off the train, arrived in Chicago, and I was ready to go about my day. And uh, as I walked out of the station, I saw this man begging on the floor. And I thought, I can't leave him there at all. I said, can I get you some food? Are you hungry? And he said, yes, please. And so I I, I said, I don't know where to go. And he goes, follow me. And he literally ran back into the station. I was like, whoa, he's keen. So I followed him in. He went to this, uh, I don't know what it was, this kind of chicken place. And he put in his order. And the guy behind the counter was looking a bit, kind of shocked. And I was like, okay, whatever he wants. That's absolutely fine. And he goes, okay, uh, that's $36, please. I was like, oh my word. Everything about me is going, I have just been taken advantage of. This was a total fraud. This was a total treat. Oh, man, I've got to do it. I've got to be joyful. God, don't let this be stolen. So I said, okay, well, bless you. <sighs> and, and I walked out, and he sat down with his chicken. And I was walking up, God, help me. Don't let me be bitter. Don't let this ruin my day. And about, about 50, 50 meters down the road, 50 feet down the road, actually, uh, I saw this other guy going, have you got any money? I was like, hold it. I've got an idea. Are you hungry? And he goes, yeah. I said, do you know what? I know a guy who's got loads of food. Come with me. (laughs) And so I took him back to the guy and I said, hey, you've got loads of food. Why don't you share it, have a little party? It was wrong. I wasn't really hidden from God, but what an amazing story. (laughs) You know, I love that. You see, we practice tuning into God's voice. We become risk takers. Because if it's not, of, because if it is of God, it will be an absolutely wonderful. And if it's not, it will just be a great story to tell. You practice this. We practice this in Connect groups all the time. We pause, we wait. We did it in a student group, um, a student age group a few weeks ago. It's amazing. Or you join the ministry team. You don't have to have done Vineyard instructions. You can just come and say, "Hey, I haven't done this. I haven't trained. Uh, but could I join someone in praying just to try and experience this?" Absolutely, you can always do that. Front right, my, my right, your left. Okay, pushing on. Um, you know, just be sure that the word is encouraging. It says this follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and, and comfort. That's how we approach this. If your words are strengthening or encouraging or comfort, then go for it. Just go for it, give it a chance. Um, And this is, as Sarah is just saying this, if you don't know how to do this, if this is just, you're starting from, you know, the start line, then go to Vineyard Instructions, go to Rise into the Call, whatever it is, go and get trained and you can join this week, it's not a problem. Okay, quickly moving on. Uh, Seven, conviction of right and wrong. Your genuine conviction of sin is the voice of God speaking to the heart about what grieves him. He sees an obstacle in your path and he doesn't want it to trip you over. And so he says, here's something that's wrong. This is going to st- slow you down. This is going to inhibit you. Remove it. I will help you. Do whatever it takes. Let's remove it together. You know, maybe you feel like you've done something wrong. More common nowadays, as Chris uh, Birch Evans was telling me the other day. A better question is not, "Do you feel like you've done something wrong?" But do you feel like something's wrong with you? If you do, then maybe God's highlighting something. And it's not about beating you up. It's not about condemnation. It's about trying to say, "I want to smooth the path that you can run ahead." Yes, there is something wrong, but I'm here to help. Number eight, dreams. Some people, like Tara, have epic dreams. I wake up and she's telling me halfway through this amazing dream full of detail, full of like uh, examples, and your stories, people, this, that, and the other. Incredible detail, and I'm like, my gosh. And then about three weeks later, she goes, Do you remember that dream? And I was like, no, I didn't remember any of it. Um, <laughs> And she says, well, it just happened. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? This is amazing. For me, uh, my full extent is this. I lost my glasses for five days. I had a dream that they were under my car seat. I looked, they were there. I am practically a prophet. Okay? You can come to me if you want any uh, dreams interpreted. Number nine, visions. Um... I've got a great one but I haven't got time There's this, uh, just read through the books of Acts Saul, Cornelius, Peter, Ananias sometimes they come in prayer and worship sometimes suddenly but always always for a purpose and finally number 10 audible voice uh, Samuel speak to me Lord for your servant is listening and he responds to that whisper that voice that he hears in the evening and I love that I love his response speak to me Lord for your servant is listening because it's not uh, God did you say something what do you want to say This is, I'm ready. If you're speaking to me, God, I will do whatever you ask of me. That's the difference between hearing and listening. I've missed one. What is it? No, no, it's not up there. What is it? Oh, that one's not going up there. There's a really obvious one. Does anyone know it? Love, that's a good one. Okay. Scripture. Scripture is huge. And the reason why I didn't include it in the list is because it goes beyond the list. It's not one of the ways we hear from God. It's an absolutely essential way we hear from God. It should be the first, it should be the middle, it should be the last, it should be absolutely everything we do. It says this in 2 Timothy, all scriptures God breathed in is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's like gaining access to the WhatsApp chat history between the father and the son. You can read absolutely everything they've ever spoken about, everything that's ever happened. It's the truth. It's from God. It's for everyone. Simply put, the more you know God's voice, the more you know Scripture, the more you know if it's God speaking. We really need to be lovers of the Word, <clears throat> to be reading it all the time, even and just asking God, what are you saying in this? What are you saying in this? One example. We, uh, I, I prayed for this lady at the NLC a couple of, well, last month actually. And, uh, and she asked for prayer for her ribs, her back and her knee, and, and various other things. I was like, oh my gosh, where do we start? And so I said, God, you know what? What do you want to start on? And he gave, the verse jumped into my mind. He says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And so I took an educated guess and I said, I, I feel like you're carrying some burdens and, and some labels. She, uh, meh. Med, I think that's a film. She just went, Yeah, I guess so. So I prayed into that. And then as I prayed into that, you know, I suddenly had a, another scripture come to mind about Gideon. It says, Yeah, you know, as the angel of the Lord came to him and says, Rise up, you mighty warrior. I got the sense that, you know, just remembering what Gideon answered, he says, But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. I asked God what he was trying to tell me, what he was trying to show me. And I felt like he was saying that this woman had settled for a role. I don't know what it was, whether she was doing kids ministry or whatever it is, something she absolutely loved, but she felt like now she'd been boxed in and she was stuck there. She'd been classified. She was getting a bit old. She was getting a bit on and she couldn't move any further and she just accepted that. And I felt like God was saying, why have you stopped? I've got so much more for you. Why have you limited yourself? Why have you ceased believing that I have more for you? And as I said those words, she just burst into tears. I wonder how many people in this room don't feel like they're living up to their potential, but they're sitting in a place where they're going, well, I'm doing a good thing, and this is where people expect me to be, and this is where I should be. But God is saying to you this moment, this morning, rise up, I have more for you. If I have more for you, I have more for the church, and more for the community, and more for this world. Rise up. And that was just because I paused and waited to hear God speak through Scripture. Okay. Um, Would you guys stand? We're not going to have the band up. I'm going to do something different, if that's all right. For the last three minutes of this, um, okay, I'm going to have to launch into this. I was going to do this in a very clever way, but I'm not going to do this. Um, You know, we go through phases where God feels so distant, so aloof, so aloof, you know, this isn't unusual. You know, every single one of us have experienced that. Every single one of us have been in the midst of something, in the mirror of something, and we just felt like God just was silent. It's so contradictory to what I've just been talking about, and I wondered how to address that, and I thought, well, maybe there's an easy way. Would you raise your hand if at this moment you're going through a kind of a wilderness place where you're not able to hear from God, where God feels distant? Would you raise your hand where you are? I know there's a lot more of you. Just raise it high so, so we can see. It's okay. It's absolutely fine. You know, well, this is the reason why we do church together. Okay, if you're near a person like that, would you come around them? And I want everyone to have at least two people. Would you just come around them? Keep your hands up, guys, so people can see. Just come around them. Okay, I'm going to give you a, a um, kind of cheat sheet, a life hack Okay, and we did this with a student group, so simple. I'm not going to throw you in and just say, okay, just pray a, uh, a word and suddenly have something out of nothing. Just look around. If there's any hands up, would you just reach over? Okay, so what I want you to do is, is get your Bibles out on your phone or whatever it is. I'm sorry, I should have said that before you moved across the room, shouldn't I? This is like, hey, everyone, we're finished worship. Now sit down. I mean, stand up and talk to each other. Um, would you just get your Bibles out? Okay, this is a life hack. This is such a simple way. uh, I wouldn't necessarily encourage this long term, but uh, as a cheat sheet, I'm going to go for it. If you're standing with someone right now, would you just look at them, just look at them, and just ask God? Not. He doesn't have to give you a massive vision or a massive dream or a massive word or scripture for someone. Maybe he does. Maybe he will. And if that's you, if you're used to this, if you're planned to this, then just jump straight in and speak to them. But if not, if this is unusual for you, then here's a, here's a cheat. Ask for one word, whatever it is. Hope, courage, strength, comfort, love. One word, just ask for one word. And when you've got that word, this is the cheat. Look in the glossary of your Bible. Do a search of your Bible and just see what verses come up. Okay, and when you do that, just look around and look amongst the scripture, look amongst the truth, the promises of God. If you know your Bibles, maybe something will come out. Maybe something will jolt a memory, and whatever scripture just you know stands out. There'll be a depending on the word, there may be about four or five, maybe more, maybe less uh, verses. But just use whatever you find and go whatever feels appropriate, whatever feels relevant to this person, this moment. And then just share that verse with them. Ask God what it I mean, might be saying. Maybe it's a bit more than the verse. Be strong and courageous. In which case, turn that into a prayer. And so say, I feel the Lord is saying, be strong and courageous. I feel like you're facing a moment. You have to be bold, you have to be a little bit out there and go for it. But maybe you're facing a moment of this uh, facing a challenge at this moment, and you need to um, and God is saying, be bold and courageous. Be bold and courageous. You know, it's not up to you giving the word. The, word, uh, the Bible actually says, you know, um, do not despise prophecy, but to test it. So, really, the, it should be strengthening, it should be encouraging, it should be comforting. But it's up to the person receiving it to go, okay, God, is this you? Is this what you're saying? I can hear, but am I listening? This is a little bit rushed, but hopefully I'll give you some tools that you can go and practice and connect with. You can go and practice in the ministry time and space, whatever it is. Share that word, encourage. Because we've all been there. We've all been in that situation where God just feels so aloof, so distant. But I feel at this moment, we need other people to just come alongside of us and just proclaim a promise. It might be a confirmation, it might be an encouragement, but use the word of Scripture to do so. Okay, it's, it's actually coming to 11, so I'm going to have to close. I'm sorry we didn't have more time for this, um, but you can practice this anywhere. You can get with your friends after, over lunch today. You can go with someone and say, hey, let's just practice that thing that Richard did. Let's just go to scripture. While you're doing this, um, let me just read out these words. This is also from listening prayer. The guys in the room uh, beforehand, 105, which you're all welcome to, before the service starts, they get together, they pray for the service, they pray for the church, and they say, God, what is it you want to do? And they come up with this list of things that... May, you may respond to, you may say, this is me. And if this is you, go to my right, you'll for some prayer. Someone with deafness in the right ear, someone with a persistent cough, a lady in a red jumper feeling anxious, someone with leukemia, possibly a child, a man with a painful right hip deteriorating, a picture of his crumbling hip, a lady with a gynecological issue, someone suffering with constant nausea, a man with a colon issue, and a lady with pain in the right side of her face. If any of those are relevant to you or resonate with you, then my right, your left. I'm going to pray. If you've got kids, would you go and collect them? Um, but other than that, just keep on trying this. God wants to speak, He is speaking. We hear, we just need to listen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you His peace. He loves you, He delights in you, He's proud of you. You are blessed. He is on your side, and he blesses you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday.